Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging these fine conventions. SoonerCon. Oklahoma's longest-running pop culture convention is ready to return in 2023. SoonerCon 31 will be held in Norman, Oklahoma on June 30th through July 2nd, 2023. Gaming, cosplay, autographs, and an art auction await. Visit SoonerCon.com for more details. The Hellmouth Convention where fandoms bleed together. Evoking the center of the mystical convergence, our event includes fandoms and travelers from all over the world. Like the Hellmouth itself, things gravitate toward it that you might not find elsewhere. The celebration is scheduled for June 9th through 11th, 2023, in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. I like being able to make this show, this specific episode actually, in 2022, because if we made this in 2010, 11, 12, we would have been so wrapped up in the idea of it's awesome that we can make a career out of YouTube or podcasting or internet content in general. That was a very new idea at the time, and it was exciting And what we kept talking about at the time was we don't know where it's going. And by we, I mean fellow podcasters and the original YouTube crew and all those people who were just getting their legs wet then. We get a guest today who can talk about that and more. He can speak to the idea of what it's like 10 years later when you've had a chance to grow creatively and make a sustainable business when you might have had to look at decisions made that might have been regrettable at the time that paid off dividends later And we get to see what it really means to be a creator in the 21st century. I can't think of a better person to have this conversation with. You know him as the cinema snob, but I'm going to call him his given name, Brad Jones. Let's get started right now. Today we have Brad Jones, the cinema snob. How are you doing this fine afternoon? I'm doing good. Really good. The the couch is comfortable. Uh, You know, I got my blankets here and everything. I'm doing I'm doing good. It's a typical Thursday. (laughs) This is a work environment for me. This is the podcasting gear that I have. So I I firmly believe in in comfort breeds creativity. Is it like uh, so over in my setup in there where I'm editing, I got my chair and the computer, everything. I could probably have like an angle like yours where it would look fine in the background. But if mm-hmm. you saw the rest of the room, it's like the cluttered gum wrappers, soda cans, stuff like that. Is is that kind of a thing that's going on there right It now? is. Excellent. Um, this angle, it works for today. This may not be yeah. what I do down the road. I'm actually rebuilding a studio, a physical studio. Right now, it's a longer term project. So I'm experimenting with what could be a permanent setup one day. Perfect. I mean, it's kind of the case here too. Like uh, even on the couch here in my living room. Oh, I got random. There's a thing of salsa sitting right here. Here's uh, some pepper, a little leftover pasta that I had earlier. I don't want to go too far to get my beverage or my snack. Yeah, That takes away from the flow. (laughs) So I already kind of gave the basics on there. You are I need my the, chips in reaching distance. Yeah, yeah. I, I already mentioned you are the cinema snob. That is your program on YouTube. And that is the basis for kind of where you built your, I don't want to say brand, but that's what you're doing. Yeah, I've been playing uh, the cinema snob quite a while now. I think I, it was around... Uh, it was around when YouTube started. 
that we had started out. And um, at the time, there wasn't there wasn't a lot in the way of um, shows like that that kind of spotlighted different things that I grew up with, like horror movies, exploitation flicks. And I wanted to do that in uh, in a comedic sense, uh, in character, because because that th- that kind of the character reviews were kind of just at the very beginning at the mm-hmm. time. So I made my niche like horror and exploitation, and it certainly evolved from there uh, between how I play the character, how the show is written, even the different types of movies that get shown. But I still love doing it. Like it's it's really cool to still be doing this for a living. What I I started looking at it and trying to ponder exactly how does it work? What do I like about this? And it, it started to click that you have a way of fleshing out. And, and I'm saying this as a movie fan, I'm not picking yeah. on people because I'm throwing myself under the same bus here. <laughs> Us movie fans have this way of taking ourselves way too seriously. When we look at something that's supposed to be a subjective thought. Yeah. But we appoint it, ourselves the, the heroes of it. And, and you're, you really hit the home on that. Yeah, that it definitely started out like that for sure. Uh, where it was, it was a satire of r- really what you just said. Where it's like a very highbrow kind of cynical guy who, for whatever reason, is tasked with talking about stuff like porno holocaust or Wanda the sadistic hypnotist or burial ground. A, a lot of those those earlier episodes and. The character has um, evolved over time because otherwise it'd be, I've been doing it like 15 years now. Otherwise it'd be kind of 15 years of just the same joke, really. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, but there is still like that element of, um, of snark that's in it, certainly. And the character does take himself very seriously and does like intentionally say a lot of things that are cartoonishly wrong about about the movie but in in a jokey sense so so that element is still there and uh it's still really really fun to play like a lot of us who have been doing it for so long um we we could kind of portray it in our in our sleep really if we wanted to or sometimes the voice will even come out if i'm like even just reviewing a movie as myself (laughs) And if you strip out the humor and you just look at it point by point, knowing that obviously there's going to be some jokes thrown in there, you still get a pretty good analysis of the movie from at least somebody's perspective. You come yeah, away thinking, hey, I get it. Oh, yeah. Especially as the show has gone on. At, at the beginning of the series, um, it, it was very much just kind of about the character cartoonishly reacting to um you know, yeah, stuff like like burial ground nights of terror and things like that. But at the time, um, YouTube had a um, you couldn't go over ten minutes in a YouTube video at the time, mm-hmm. like like when it first started. So they were very short, nonlinear, kind of uh, compact. But as the show has gone on, and certainly the more genres that get talked about yeah through all of the jokes and while still kind of talking in character i am breaking down like uh yeah how i feel about a certain movie like uh you know it's something i love like off the top of my head i i did one on halloween three season of the witch and there's certainly jokes through it it's all told in in humor but 
it is like getting in deep about the movie and what for me what works about it and while and why i love it while still remaining in character and youtube has had this effect of letting people like us really start to pick apart movies that previously didn't really get their due yeah which is, the types of movies are, that you're bringing out are definitely i think are in that category Oh, yeah. Like, uh, you know, video violence, video violence to um, um, what are some other ones? Greta, the something. What was that? Ilsa knockoff. I've been doing it so long. The titles are all kind of running together. Like, was it Greta, the she was something not Ilsa, she wolf of the SS, but the other one. Um, so, yeah, kind of um, giving a lot of these movies uh, a spotlight that they don't get talked about uh, a whole lot. I, I spent some time watching your, my, I love MST3K, the movie, as I know many oh, people yeah. do, but outside our circle, it doesn't get talked about. Mm-hmm. Mystery even, Science even, Theater, the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Even people who are fans of the show often haven't seen the movie. They just kind of skim over it, go doing their watch through. Oh yeah. Like that was a good one to talk about. I, I, I did really like that episode because it certainly presented a challenge in that like oh yeah i i can definitely talk about how much i like this movie and comparing the movie to an episode of the show and even some behind the scenes things with the movie as well but i it was one of those episodes where i was like okay let me figure out how to do this because i'm talking over this movie that comedically that is in and of itself talking over another movie comedically. I, I, it was like, all right, I want to see if I can do this. And I really, really liked that episode a lot. I, I For me, I, I thought it came out really well. I would agree. Um, and not just because I'm partial to the source material. Yeah. Um, but the fact that you, you managed to bring out this weird moment in time and talk about how it, it was, what I love about that and, people don't get the jokes about how it is talking about its own creation in some ways that the studio got involved. It was a disaster. And yet, you know, how many movies don't get to tell that story? Oh yeah. And I I'm glad that that episode turned out well because I hated editing the episode and I'll tell you why I got um, halfway through editing it and I had to go do uh, something else. I probably had to go see a movie or something. Um, And then when I came back, I had to then like edit another movie review and I don't know what happened, but I lost like half of the first half of the episode Um, and not lost as I I still had the footage and everything. It's just like the the edited version of it in my software. I don't know if I just mistakenly saved over it or did something but like half of it was gone and I had to start over with editing and it took me a few days to get back to it because I was so defeated when that happened that I was like, all right, I need like a few days to like uh, have some distance from it and then go back and start the editing again. But then when I started the editing again, it, it was actually fine because I already kind of knew how to edit it. So it, it did go by a little faster, honestly, but ooh, I was, I was glad that people really liked that episode because it was, it was a pain to edit it. And it's one of those cases where 
I mean, you you but you have your audience built by that point. You know, people are waiting for the content to come in, mm-hmm. and you have that pressure that man, I have to deliver this. That they know I'm turning something out, or God forbid, you get late or behind. And sure, yeah. Then the things, and that's not fair to the the individual creator too, because you know we're just regular people. We have other obligations. We announce a time, and you know, I try to stick to a weekly release schedule. Yeah, things don't always work that way. Oh, sure. Um, and luckily, like, as long as you've got like good communication uh, with your with your fans, with your viewers, the people who subscribe to you, they're pretty cool. Like, they're they're really really pretty chill. And we, um, and if there is episodes that we're kind of late on, we still like to have something else up. Like, for instance, now I'm um, I'm starting to drift more into longer episodes saw that yeah yeah because we do we do like to evolve with um youtube and the kinds of videos that people like now and a lot of our most popular stuff right now is the longer episodes is stuff like on a mini series or the year in reviews which is our which are like my favorite episodes to do now like talking about all the movies in a single year and so now i'm working on 1960 in film where i'm going through all the movies of 1960 so that'll eventually be up and it'll be a supersized episode but we still will have other things up through the week uh that last monday i had up there's smaller shows i do like there's a show called brad tries where i'm just having some like gimmicky fast food item or a soda or something kind of weird and also the uh the vlog reviews that are short they're you know they range between three to like six minutes long if i'm working on a supersized episode which i'm doing that quite a bit now i still have those other things like the smaller reviews and uh that brad tries on all of those what i like about this is that you're flying in the face and i think you're doing it rightly of, of what used to be the the golden advice on youtube is that you have to have your specific content for your specific audience and and don't mess with the algorithm don't confuse the audience they used to say if you want to make a different type of show you need a whole different channel for that because that yeah. otherwise you'd lose your audience. And I think the audience has shown that no, they're they, those go come to the buffet, they'll pick what they want. Yeah, the ones who like uh have like their notifications turned on or maybe visit the channel every day. Um, and also um giving early access as well, because we've also got a Patreon. So when I am working on a supersized episode. If people still want that content weekly, content being the cinema snob, if they still want that weekly, they can go to our Patreon because I do put up the supersized episodes in chunks like, um, yeah, the, the 1961 I'm working on right now. I've got the first quarter of it over on Patreon right now uh later on today i'll be done editing uh the next quarter and that'll be on patreon so if people do want to see something weekly when i'm working on something like that they can go to our patreon and get like those rewards and benefits and everything and then when the whole episode is done it'll be public and it'll be like a two-hour episode 
that's a really clever way of using Patreon. I, I've <laughs> seen I've seen it used clumsily, and I've seen it used very well, and that's that's definitely a very well way of using it. Yeah, people. The, uh, that I think that's a majority of the reason why people go to it to our Patreon is to get like that early access, and we also do AMAs on there, and. Um, once in a while we'll have a poll episode um where yeah people can go there and pick on what episode they want to see next and uh and and yeah I, it, but it's it's mainly like the early content that people like that for before you got into this show before you came up with the character and even youtube when you would have chats with your friends about movies because i'm guessing you did this oh, was probably yeah, something yeah yeah you you're, yeah. you, you had that click mhm did you find it difficult to to bring up certain types of movies that not knowing that if you had that common ground with somebody? No, not with my friends because our our tastes were fairly similar or or similar enough, really. Like maybe I like maybe not all of us like the exploitation flicks, but some did, and even the ones were like maybe it wasn't their cup of tea. They would still like seeing them every now and then, or uh, it could be something that could be thrown on, and we can like you know shoot the breeze during it or something like that and and no like we all so i used to have a show called midnight screenings or i I still do have it it's just like a requested show now but um midnight screenings for a long time it was um the group of us going to see whatever new movie came out and then we're in the car talking about it afterwards and that very much kind of is how we were in real life too it played up a little for the camera because we got to be kind of entertaining but the way our rapport was with each other no that was that would be how we uh would just shoot the breeze about movies uh with each other and like along and we'd always like doing that in front of the camera too when we were in high school we had a public access show and uh, oh that's cool yeah we did we had we had a public access series for a little bit and i uh i i don't even want to try going back and looking for it because i'm sure it's awful (laughs) it's okay yeah yeah um but uh i'm sure our producer at the time um it was a great guy uh i'm sure he's got the tapes of it sitting around around somewhere maybe i'll to try to get in touch with them sometime but yeah those those are probably floating around on vhs somewhere you start out somewhere and you need to do something just to stretch your wings for the first time i i remember when i had a when i was in college and i would have these discussions even though i had a clique of friends that were similar to me in a lot of ways there would still be people that would look at me and say you like the super mario brothers movie oh sure mm-hmm. and i just feel like that when YouTube comes along, that suddenly opens up the door for us to get the weird taste together and say, no, okay, th- there was some value in this. Let's look at this a different way. Well, yeah, YouTube is definitely good for that. And yeah, I've tried using the show for that reason too. Like um, uh, just this year, you know, talking about the Thunder Warrior movies, this trilogy of Rambo knockoffs from, from the 80s. Because yeah, there are people like who, like me, saw that at the video store back in the day and it's cool to not only talk about it but have the big clamshell vhs right there Mm -hmm. and uh and doing it in a loving way too like that that's kind of how the show's evolved a little bit like at the very beginning of it it was like kind of cartoonishly amping up 
the cinema snob yelling about it. And then it kind of like, like a lot of shows, they, they pretty much got to grow over time. And that's what we did. So then in talking about like thunder, the thunder warrior trilogy, there are definitely jokes at the movie's expense, but it it is in kind of like a fondness sort of way. I mean, we have gotten to the point now where you're going to be able to look at these things and you have this, this deep dive on, you can go look into the history of how the movie got made and that adds a layer of appreciation. Yeah. And that I'm not saying it didn't happen before the internet and, and commentary became a thing, but it, it ballooned immediately. It became the, something the average person could do. Oh yeah, certainly. Like uh, beforehand, uh, you know, when I was a kid and if I wanted to find out some information about the movie, it'd probably be, you know, something like the old video, uh, video golden hound video retriever manual or something Mm -hmm. like that and even and then at least i could be like oh okay let me look at this director's filmography or this actor's filmography and now yeah definitely that does the internet does help with getting a lot of backstory about these movies i've done episodes on whether it's like a james bond knockoff or some old you know porno from the 70s or something like that no it's go ahead sorry oh no i was just gonna say it's just cool learning about more stuff like that what are your thoughts on return to oz i remember loving that movie um i haven't seen it in a long time i probably haven't seen it since maybe high school maybe even beforehand but i did really really like it when i was young and I, i'm sure if i watched it again now i i still would like um it's it's it, it does not happen very often where it's something i liked as a kid and i watch it now and i go oh i hate this it sucks i might see more flaws in it but it'll still be an important movie to me and I, i'll still you know something will still have a place in my heart i should probably do an episode on return to us sometime i'd love to see that and i use it as an example because before imdb came along and actually for a while after it it did i didn't really it wasn't saved in my opinion until it hit streaming because i would explain this movie to people and they'd say that doesn't exist. You're making this up. Oh, it up. does. That, yeah. It does exist. But yeah. until I could actually pull up the internet and say, look, it's right there, nobody mm. believed me. And like, there are a lot of those moments that people like us will have where it's like, no, 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 I, I found this thing. It's cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, in my case, it's, you know, convincing people that there's four ET pornos. <laughs> and I could tell you the exact difference between all four of them. I now see with porn, it's a little different to me because I I come from the school of thought that somebody is going to make a porn of it somewhere. I don't have that. I don't disbelieve that at all. Oh, yeah. Rule 34. Yeah, exactly. I disbelieve when it's like, no, no, no. This was somebody thought this was a good idea they could make money on. That's when I'm like, I, I, you got to prove this to me here. There'll be some creativity too in it sometimes. Like, et the porno i'm like okay well it takes some originality to one be like okay let's make a porn with someone in an et costume but to also for no reason make it a period piece that takes place in like victorian age 1700s or whenever it took place like like all right well it's 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 original i'll give it that (laughs) they they just have the costumes around and figured hey let's roll with it 
yeah, they had some costumes laying around and had some sets and were like, okay, let's for sure, let's throw ET in there. Why not? We're probably on something right now. <laughs> I I often wonder when I see those parodies, because there's they seem to deliberately title them to to try to skirt the copyright laws and so they don't get you know too much under fire. But yeah. it just seems like even when you have the, say a Justice League parody and somebody's going in wearing a Superman costume. How is that not a problem? I think because it's parody. I, I think that's uh, and also um, I think that's why a lot of them started titling themselves like Justice League, a triple X parody um, so that it, it it will be protected by copyright laws. I I, I guess I, I'm sure that's got something to do with it. Um, but there are still ones that do do the porn spoof titles, like uh, Wood Rocket uh, does that. They have like Strokemon, um, Ten Inch Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, that's <laughs> I prefer. Yeah, the porn spoof titles because like even those like well some thought went into that into, <laughs> into coming up with the title of Strokemon. And the the humor of that is just trying to say it with a straight face or trying to get somebody else to say it with a straight face. You don't even have to pop the movie yeah. in. You just have to try to get the conversation going. And I, I can now. I can just say, oh yeah, there was Strokemon. I, I can talk about Strokemon like I'm talking about Casablanca or something, like saying it with a straight face as if it's the most normal sounding title you can think of. I mean, I think that comes with, I've seen so, I've, I've seen so many of them that uh you know i'll be reviewing uh what's the last what's the last weird one i reviewed uh like sponge knob square nuts or something like that where my reaction to it and watching it is just kind of normal because i've seen so many of them that it's it's kind of like i'm not really shocked by it anymore <laughs> like all right well there's a guy in a in a questionable spongebob outfit getting a blow job um that's my week. <laughs> and yet you get to do this for a living, which is the, the exactly. beauty of the 21st century. Yeah, doing it for a living. And it didn't start out that way. Like none of us, um, none of us thought we'd be doing it for a living. Um, we just saw all of us kind of started out as like, you know, we, we were probably in between jobs or just did it as a lark. Um, I, I know in my case, yeah, it was just YouTube was taking off. I had a lot of free time. So I kind of, yeah, I created this show and it, it I kept doing, I did it for a couple of years because yeah, I really liked doing it and it, it developed a little bit of a following. And then once some um, blip TV came around, uh, then we were able to start doing, they were, they were one of, the first big ones to let you like monetize this stuff. And when blip TV came around, a lot of us were able to start making it our full-time gig. And eventually blip TV went away. And during that time, YouTube started monetizing. So we just went back to YouTube and no, what's cool is if you do it as long as, as long as we have, um, you've got a big back catalog. So if you've got like, in our case, several years, like over 10 years of a back catalog, like over 2000 videos, it does give you some freedom because 
a majority of your views will come from just this giant archive, this back catalog you got. And that, that makes it kind of cool. Cause then it sort of reaches a point where you're like, okay, yeah, now I can do a lot more niche stuff. You know, I can talk more about thunder warrior or um, 2000 maniacs or, or something like that. And just have it be there for however, however long and just accumulate some views over time. That's something I really try to hammer into people who are expecting overnight success when it comes yeah. to things like podcasting and YouTube. It's like, well, I launched two months ago. Why am I not rich yet? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to do it because you love it, because you have passion in it. You got to do it you know, like, like we do when we started out, like, yeah, no one even thought we would get paid for it or if it would turn into anything. No, mm -hmm. like, so we, we're doing it because we love talking about these movies and I certainly didn't get into it with the mindset of like, oh, you know, I, this is going to be huge someday because it's, it's a niche show. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't expect to have like a million subscribers or something like that. Cause I, I'm talking about very obscure exploitation films, but just simply being able to do it for a living is, is cool enough that yeah. I can get on there, talk about this. And, and yeah, that's, that's my work day. Yeah. It's so many people are looking for that one video to go viral. Yeah, And they're not seeing that there's a huge benefit to what you can do if you have a catalog full of stuff that a decent amount of people are going to want to see, that people will look at that library and they'll just keep coming back and back. And yeah. you don't get that for several years until you put out that catalog. Uh, yeah, yeah. A very big back catalog, a big archive. That way, yeah, people can kind of come and go as they please. You know, they don't. We have so many videos that it's like, yeah, I don't expect. I, I know there's a lot of people who do watch all of it, but there is also a lot that they come to the channel, they watch some, and they probably go, probably watch a lot of other stuff for a long period of time, and then maybe come back and they'll be like, oh, well, what's kind of in his catalog for the past few months or the past couple of years? And there will be plenty of stuff there to choose from. What draws you to exploitation movies? Because I have my answer, but I'd really like to hear yours. Um, well, so my parents didn't really care what I watched when I was a kid. Like, you know, I was really real. I was in grade school watching slasher movies and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I certainly liked being one of the only kids at the school who could do that and mm -hmm. also like kind of tape them off of hbo and cinemax and pass them around to my friends uh no i i like the the freedom that a lot of those movies have where they're very unapologetic in um either the the story or the effects or the sleaze but also the ones that work and the ones that are done the best are the ones where you actually are really, really engaged in the story and the grittiness and the filmmaking of it and maybe the acting, because like in some cases where the acting can be good or in some cases where it can be over the top and hammy, but certainly very, very entertaining. And there is just a wide variety of different ones you could look at. You know, you could 
you could put on a slasher movie. You could put on a Amazon cannibal movie, an Italian zombie movie, a giallo flick, um, a sex comedy, you know, an 80s shenanigans movie or something like that. There is just there's a wide variety of different subgenres for whatever mood that you're you're in. It's kind of its own big category that has all of the genres of you know a mainstream movie action comedy horror and all of that but certainly very gritty and kind of underground like um so that makes it it fun to watch and you you might not know exactly what you're getting into and hopefully be kind of surprised the ones i really gravitate toward are the they tended to be toward the beginning of the genre. And the, the, the in-joke was that the real exploitation was happening on behalf of the audience. They thought yeah. they were going to see something being exploited, but in fact, they were just somebody was trying to put out a sleazy story to get their money. Oh, sure. So you you would have, you know, and I'm just going to make up something like, you know, teenage nymphos on drugs or something. And there would actually be very few teenagers, very few nymphos, and really no drugs. But by the time you found that out. Your money was gone. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I love that. It, it reflects something that we can't get now when so much of our material is clickbait and sensationalized and buzzfeedy. You you lose the idea of what was happening when you couldn't see something like that without going through extraordinary effort. Oh yeah. Like um I uh like like the movie Snuff is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this movie. It's uh it's from the 70s and it was marketed i mean it's called snuff so it's marketed like ooh it could be a snuff film or something like that you know and then you see the movie and what it is it's a pre-existing movie i think it was called the slaughter but it was um it was a exploitation flick about the manson family or it was inspired by the manson family like the guys called something else in it but it's like okay this is definitely inspired by charles manson you're watching the whole movie and it's just that until you get to the last three minutes where it's new footage where suddenly the quote filmmakers of this movie you've been watching like kill the script girl or something like that (laughs) so it and and like the effects are kind of bad but like they're simultaneously bad but also kind of impressive like um so it's yeah it's like that it's like you kind of went for that for like the 70s version of clickbait sort of yeah Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you said and then you know oh by the end that's where the snuff stuff happens (laughs) and i feel like this is we're we're now at a point now where people like us can appreciate the phases that that film filmmaking has gone through mm-hmm. you know when you the film was found in the the cinema and then it had a, a phase where it was in the home and and now we're having a phase where it's it's, it's then it was on disc and then it was in streaming and these yeah. have all brought different levels of awareness of how these things came to be yeah um and sometimes you'll still see like you'll still go see something that cause, cause I mean, so many movies come out now it's, it's insane. Um, and I will still see something sometimes where it's like, Oh, I haven't seen this like 
trap in a while. I went to go see a movie a few days ago. The name of the movie is First Responders. Mm-hmm. It's in theater. Oh, I don't think it's still in theaters, but it, it was a Fathom event. So it, it played for like two or three days. And I went to it. I was the only one in the theater. <laughs> and all, all I knew going in was um, that it's a faith-based movie. And like the title suggests, it's about first mm-hmm. responders. Now, what I didn't expect going in is that 50% of the movie is reused footage from a movie from a few years ago called The Trump Prophecy, where it's, uh, it's, um, it's the same director. And that movie is was is about a firefighter with PTSD who then he's getting haunted by demons. And then he sees this floating disco ball God orb that starts giving him like political advice. And then I go see this movie a few days ago called First Responders. 50% of it is footage from that movie. There's one plot about a cop who is shot and in the line of duty and is in the hospital. And then the rest of it is all cobbled together the PTSD plot from the Trump prophecy. They just take they take out all the political stuff like the God Orb and all of that. And there is also like new footage that they shot with the actors. And you can tell it's new footage because they have different hair now and they look a little older. Like but I'm sitting there in the theater like I never thought I would see this again where I'm like going to see a movie and it's 50% reused footage from another movie. <laughs> That's basically how Power Rangers got made. That, yeah. Uh, th- this reminded me more of um, this reminded me more of something like Merlin's Shop of Mystical Wonders sure. where half of the movie is footage from the director's previous movie called the devil's gift or like half of silent night, deadly night two being the first one. Um, it, 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 I, I, I put it in like that camp and it was, it was a really bad movie, but I was fascinated. Santa Claus and the ice cream bunny. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Like something okay. like that. Yeah. Now, that was a movie that made me feel very exploited. <laughs> <laughs> I love those 70s drive-in kids movies where they are just some of the scariest horror films of the 70s, and they're not even trying to be. <laughs> like, like the Magic Christmas Tree and uh, uh, Wizzo the Clown and stuff like mm-hmm. that. We're just doing blatant riff tracks promotion now, and I'm on board with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is like prime riff tracks material. Uh like Fun in Balloon Land. That's that's a popular one I did and it's it's also a, a, a riff tracks episode. So let me see if I can cuz you may be one of the few people on the planet who might be able to reference this. Um a movie is probably a short film, maybe 15 minutes long at the most called The Magic House. I'm guessing early 70s. Yeah. You know this one? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Shoot. I, I remember watching this in school as a kid, and yeah. it was the most god-awful thing ever, and I would love to have it because I'm sure the rights have expired, and I would rift tracks the hell out of that thing. It might be floating around somewhere. Uh, like they're like I know something weird videos got like a bunch of collections of shorts and a lot of it, stuff like that. Yeah, I grew up in school not not seeing a lot because I went to religious schools and I didn't see 
had a lot of the shorts from the 70s that they'd show us with us it was um stuff from the 80s like mm-hmm. Col- colby the christian computer um and uh what were some other ones oh oh i mean i i was in school during like the height of uh like just say no and um dare and all that so we, we would have like a lot of mcgruff shorts we would watch you and i seem to be about the same age and we, the educational films that we're familiar with they were kind of on their way out by that point but every once in a while some teacher would get bored enough to dust one off and try yeah. to get the projector working again it didn't not happen Mm-hmm. And that, that was how I ended up seeing the magic house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some of those I didn't see back then. Um, maybe a couple, like if kind of like you said, if the teacher just had it sitting around, but a majority of them were ones were like the, were the educational shorts from like the eighties. Then they were usually religious to. What I remember most, there was one that was actually pretty new at the time. It was school bus safety. Yeah, And they sat us all down and I remember just watching it because the video was like, make sure when you get into the bus, you buckle your seatbelt. Like, we don't have any. Yeah. And o- obey the little flashing stop sign. We don't have that either. This video <laughs> is useless because it's talking about this magic school bus that doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, perfect. But it chewed up 30 minutes of class time. And I think that's all anybody cared about. That's what we loved about it. Like when I was in junior high uh, on days like that, we would watch Carmen music videos. Um, I'm not sure if you know who Carmen is, but he was mm. like, he, 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 re- he, he passed away not too long ago, but he was, he was awesome. He was this uh, Christian pop singer and very charismatic. And his videos were just, they were catchy and they were fun. And we would love watching those like on those particular days because there would be there would be some wild stuff in there he's got a song called um satan bites the dust where it's a western where he's like the new marshal in town and goes to the saloon and just starts like shooting demons and shit and then satan shows up like looking like just like an old like looking like buford tannen from back to the future three and (laughs) it's so good this i if this was a game i'd be playing it i mean that sounds awesome yeah um yeah his videos are over on youtube and like uh eventually i i I did start spotlighting a a lot of his uh a lot of his stuff so we we have a few episodes on his he's got one it's called great god where it's in medieval times and um one where he's in like a haunted house and uh yeah, yeah, that I, I really love looking at those movies, those music videos. So what are you working on in the near future? Uh, right now, it's uh, 1960 in film. Um, and that, hopefully it'll be up in a couple of weeks. So that one is going to be over on Channel Awesome. And it'll probably be about two hours long. And once I get done with that one, uh, cause like I said, I'm kind of starting to drift more into focusing on the supersized episodes, but I, oddly enough, usually that means like, I actually have more content on my channel because I can mm-hmm. do more of those shorter reviews. Um, but once I get done with 19, the 1960 video, I'll probably do like a longer episode on, um, 
the Jack Frost movies, the killer snowman films. <laughs> I, I'm kind of surprised. I'm kind of surprised I haven't gotten to those sooner, but <laughs> uh, those well, I'll be type- looking at. The types of movies you like, there are many, many installments of them, so you have enough to go through. Exactly. I know that there's at least two of the Jack Frost movies. I can't remember if there was like a a versus movie or not featuring the Killer Snowman, but I know there's at least two of them. So it'll be at least at the least it'll be a double feature episode. I'm going to point people toward your website on in the show notes of my the episode. Yeah, no um, problem. Where else can people follow your adventures on the internet? Uh, you can subscribe to me over at youtube.com slash stoned gremlin productions. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the cinema snob. Uh, we've got an archive site. That's the cinema, excuse me. That's the cinema snob.com. And also we're on channel awesome.com as well. All of that's also going to be in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. I've had a great time. I could keep going, but I want to respect both your time and mine. So Please come on back anytime. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm totally down anytime. Thank you so much for having me. I would like to thank Brad for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. We had a lot of fun in this chat, but I think my favorite part of the conversation was just looking at Brad's description of his work environment and his process. Early on, we were talking about how he set up a workspace and he's got his snack in one area and his notes in the other, and I relate to that quite a bit. And I'm guessing if you listen to this and you're creative, you probably do too. There's probably a workspace where you just do what you need to do. And the important thing is the content comes from it. Whatever you're creating, be it a book, a video, a podcast... You have the tools, you know what you need to get the job done, and you do it. And I commend you for this. This podcast exists to help creators and people who see what creativity does for them. So I'd like to strongly encourage you, if you're in that group, subscribe to this podcast. I'll give you a list of places you can do it at the end of the show. Send me a list of what you're doing. I'd love to hear about your upcoming projects. My email address is bossigpodcast at yahoo.com. And follow me on my Twitter feed, at Aaron Bossig. I'd also like to suggest, if you're into creativity, consider looking into the Sci-Fi Coffee Company's Twitter feed as well. What I've seen just in the past few days is not just them talking about their coffee blends, which they're awesome, don't get me wrong, and it's one of the things I have right in front of me right now. But they're also showing a list of books you can read during Halloween evening, and a list of writers that are popping up on the internet now. The Sci-Fi Coffee Company is empowering people who haven't yet gotten their work out into a professionally published document. They're giving them a leg up through their Twitter feed and their website. You can go to their website, sci-fi-coffee.com, to not only only check out their feed, but also to order some coffee. You can get 10% off if you use the coupon code HUNGRY, as in Hungry Trilobite. You can subscribe to this show anywhere that you find podcasts. That would be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.